This podcast has been made possible by Planful and U.S. Bank. This is episode 627. For a solar company, so much of our front-end metrics around lead generation, appointment setting, lead clo- opportunity closure, and turning that into a backlog and a revenue stream, uh, we have a, a tremendous amount of, of detail and reporting that goes on. The whole act of, of getting a customer acquired, educated on what you can provide to them, and, and that's where most of our tool sets and tracking are rooted, is, is really looking at that sales funnel. Um, in a very detailed way to make sure we're we're doing all the right things to get the right customers on board with us. Um, Hi, it's Jack Sweeney. On today's show, we speak to Mark Sargent, CFO of West Haven Power. As you'll hear at the start, Mark Sargent's finance and accounting career was perhaps a plan B, an alternate route in case his aspirations to become a rock musician did not pan out. But after a decade inside the finance and accounting functions of multiple small and medium-sized businesses, a number of them which Mark was part of the team to help them go public, Mark Sargent says his career came to an inflection point where there'd be only one path going forward, the path of finance leadership. Our talk with Mark begins after this. In an ever-changing world, it can be tough to keep up with the latest FP&A trends and innovations that keep you ahead of the game. Luckily, there's a podcast for that. Tune in to Being Planful, the podcast for finance leaders and planning experts, and stay in the know about what's happening in planning and forecasting. Guests like influencer Chris Ortega, Boston Red Sox CFO Tim Zhu and Brian Lapidus of AFP will keep you up to speed on how you can put finance in the driver's seat this year. Find the full episodes at beingplanful.com or wherever you get your podcasts. P.S. Think you might make a great guest on the show? Shoot host Rowan Tonkin an email at beingplanful.com at planful.com. Speaking with Mark Sargent, CFO of West Haven Incorporated. Mark, welcome. Hi, Jack. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. So, Mark, we're going to ask you to look back for us and uh, tell us a little bit about some of the experiences you you feel prepared you for a finance leadership role. What comes to mind? 
and been in this business for about 35 years now. And uh, say the first 15 were kind of what I call the uh, the choose and learn and grow phase. Um, the, you have to go all the way back to when I first chose to follow accounting as a career. And, and uh, the basis for that was that I was actually a musician. And uh, I, uh, I chose the profession of accounting as the uh, stable, highly employable uh, line of work that would uh, back it up if that whole rock star thing didn't pan out. So, so a plan B. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> we were wondering about the correlation there. Recognizing both a, uh, a, a strong creative side as well as a strong analytical side, very balanced approach, uh, decided to pursue both of those. Um, and uh, uh, went to uh, CSU Chico, got an accounting degree there. And uh, as I was developing uh, my accounting degree, I noticed certain aptitudes and certain things that I was better at. And by the time I graduated, I had uh, pretty much had in mind a target for where my career was going to go. And it, it wasn't going to be a, a CPA or a, a tax accountant or a government agency or or really even a, a large company, uh, my role with um, you know, a very broad array of skill sets, uh, my creativity uh, being a major aspect of my personality and that whole balance, um, it was going to be working for smaller, medium-sized companies uh, where they would appreciate a broad range of skills. They would probably appreciate my creativity <laughs> a, a little more. Um, so I was fortunate enough when I graduated that the very first job I got was was really the perfect fit. Uh, it was a small company called Impact Systems. Uh, they were a paper making company. I uh, joined them in, uh, in June of 1986 and learned that they were about nine months away from an IPO. Um, and uh, they had a uh, brought a new uh, integrated computer system. Uh, in-house on that time. It was uh, really the early ERP system called Ask Man Man, very popular system back in the 80s. And uh, they had implemented accounts receivable to bill and collect. They implemented accounts payable to write checks, but they were still doing cost accounting in pencil on 18-column green bar paper. And their uh, their general ledger was still the three-inch leather-bound book with the three metal posts sticking through it. So uh, I joined the company as cost accountant, but very quickly um, became kind of like the lead finance person to get the rest of the system implemented um, so that, uh, you know, we could continue on the march to, to go public. And it's a perfect fit for me. It was thrown really into the fire right away as a, you know, newly graduated 23-year-old um, and just started to immediately hone all of those skills. Of, of understanding all the different areas of the accounting department, understanding how the business worked, um, and in implementing the system, even understanding how you know manufacturing worked, how warehouses worked, and, and adding to that rounded skill sets. So uh, that was a really good uh, starting point for the career, and really got me not only um, verification that my instincts were right about where my place in the accounting universe was, uh, it also started to build those skill sets. So. Um, from there, took a brief um, sort of hiatus, joined an advertising agency for a couple of years where I was their business manager half time and uh, a copywriter for the other half of the time. So I got to use a little bit of that creative energy. Um, 
did that for a couple of years and uh, was actually got married while I was in that position. I figured by, uh, it was time to get back to the accounting career full time. Uh, joined a company there from there as accounting manager that um, uh, very, very promising, secure communications company. They actually built the red phone. So when the, the president picks up the red phone, that's what that's what we made. Uh, was a very promising company that had new products and fax machines and modems and everything. Unfortunately, not as well received as we had hoped. And uh, what what started out as a promising um, opportunity became a rather interesting opportunity. That I um, we ended up selling the last part of the company to its primary customer, and I was the last person uh, to be employed under this company. And my job was to basically close it down hand the keys to the, the new acquiring company and walk out the door. Um, from there, uh, I really joined a company that I consider my inflection point to becoming a CFO and a leader. Uh, company was called Spectrian. Um, they were a power amplifier company uh, that was, uh, they built power amplifiers for the cellular phone infrastructure rollout. So uh, um, a company that historically was a aerospace and government supplier was suddenly thrust into this huge world of, of commercial communications. Um, and they too, when I joined in April uh, of 94, found that uh, they were going to be going public in August. So uh, another, another firestorm situation. Uh, we had a very successful IPO at that company and a, and a follow-on offering, second offering a couple of years later. Uh, tremendous growth at that company, uh, 40 million or so when I started. I think at the peak was uh, around 270, 275 million. So big growth. And what was unique about that company is that it was the first time I really worked with an entire team of of really excellent finance professionals. And um, we had the company as a public entity set up on a 544 um quarterly cycle, 13-week quarterly cycle. And as a team, we had been able to grow our capabilities where we did a soft, a, a weekly soft close in one day. And at the end of each 13-week period, could do a hard close in two days. So that just immersion 24-7 in the act of, of uh, you know, being as lean as possible, being as accurate as possible, always be improving um, what you were doing to make sure we can continue to meet these uh, these um, aggressive, uh, you know, monthly and weekly and quarterly close goals. Uh, that was really where I kind of honed the last part of my skill sets um, to where I thought I was ready to move on and be a financial leader. Um, so it was there that kind of, you know, the, the end of phase one starts. Um, I started looking for a controller position. and. Uh, found one uh, with a company called California Eastern Laboratories and joined them in, in uh, 1998. Um, so I was actually at California Eastern Labs for about 13 years as their CFO. Um, in 2013, I uh, took all the experience that I had gained being the CFO at CEO. Um, and with my uh, my daughter uh, moving off to college in uh, in Southern California, my wife and I decided to get out of the Bay Area and move back to Sacramento, to the uh, Sacramento Valley, where I, I was originally from. And about a little over two years ago, um, got this opportunity here with, uh, with West Haven. Um, really interested in the solar market. Um, 
particularly where it is in its stage. It reminded me a lot of the development and rollout of cell phones. It's very similar, um, but it's also uh, for us very, very regional in the customers we serve. And uh, it, it was just really a perfect fit for me. It was uh, exactly what I was looking for. And, uh, and for West Haven, um, I had the skill sets that they needed to, to really kind of take a big part of their infrastructure and move it up to the next level. So I want to ask you a, a question that would allow you to provide a bit more detail on West Haven. I'm going to ask you to give us an overview. But first, I just want to um, touch on certain aspects of your career, which I think are interesting. Uh, the fact that you built this, uh, the most, the balance of your career is spent in Silicon Valley, clearly. And uh, something a little unusual, you were CFO, I think, uh, at California Eastern Labs, which is a it's a semi semiconductor company. Is that right? Yes. Now, do they yeah, supply yeah. semiconductors to to other technology companies, or uh, or are they in consumer products we would know, or who were their customers really? Yeah, ab absolutely. And that was one of the you know the recurring things throughout my career has been entering companies in a moment of change. And for them, they were a uh, radio frequency semiconductor. So RF uh, was the specific type, um, wireless signal based. And they had, uh, similar to Spectrian, historically been a military or aerospace um, uh, supplier, uh, but suddenly found themselves designed into uh, many of the Motorola cell phones. Um, but if you remember, uh, before GPS was integrated in the phone, uh, Garmin GPS systems that were handheld, uh, automotive applications from garage door openers to the wireless pods, digital TV, as so all of these commercial wireless applications, they were finding themselves in. And suddenly a company that had been around since the late 50s and historically had, you know, 20, 30 million of revenue was finding itself growing, you know, uh, multiples of that each year. And uh, even in the, the first part of the, my time I spent with them, I think they were around 80 million when I joined and three years later, we're at 230. So really, really explosive growth by entering this new commercial market for, uh, for RF semiconductors. And you, that's about the time you step into the CFO role, uh, is yep. that right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I started there as controller and about 18 months in was uh, offered the position of CFO, knowing that their their existing CFO was uh, was retiring. And interestingly enough, uh, was uh, really all five of the C-level positions in that company were planning to retire over the next five years. I just happened to be the first one that uh, uh, he found his replacement. So that led to a, a lengthy uh, CFO tenure for you. And here you are again. Uh, sort of opening the chapter of yet another uh, CFO uh, tenure. And we should ask you uh, now, I suppose, about West Haven. What does this company do and what are its offerings exactly? Absolutely. So I think, uh, you know, one of the things that's unique about West Haven that attracts is, is it is at its core uh, a, a trade company. So by trade, I mean, you know, the construction trades, electrical, roofing, HVAC, and that, that's where, really where it's rooted. Um, the company started in 2011 um, and started to add the solar um, installation to its um, profile products and has had uh, some pretty good success and growth over time. Um, but what interested me in 2018 was I joined is the prospect of the company 
sort of becoming um, less of a contractor and more of like a next generation power company. Uh, in fact, we've just recently uh, changed our our, uh, our DBA uh, to West Haven Power, um, and it's uh, bringing on new products like battery storage, um, backup generators. It's been very much uh, focused toward providing uh, our regional residential customers um, with clean power, independence of the old grid system, um, and that that disruption, if you will, and the 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 ability for West Haven and the markets we serve to to enable that our independence for all of these residential customers. Uh, it's a really exciting market uh, for me to be in. Uh, it was a great cultural fit as well. The company is very in tune because it is a trade company, very in tune to uh, um, high quality work, um, building relationships with customers. Um, so it, it, it is a great fit, was a great fit for me in, in a, really in all aspects joining the company. Now, can I ask just um, interestingly, uh, one of our recent guests uh, was in uh, the energy sector and the company was based in Reno, uh, Nevada, which isn't too far. A couple hours away. Yeah. Is that, I mean, am I, is it a stretch? Is there a, is this an energy corridor or no? Uh, or what would no, you tell I, us? I, I don't think so. I, I think where it, probably manifests itself is just in the state of California, uh, the state of PG&E, the state of the grid, the uh, fires, outages, um, constantly rising um, energy costs. Um, and that combined with the environment in California that is a little more entrepreneurial or uh, really likes to push technology, I think it's a perfect storm where alternative energy is is really going to make a strong play, um, and it's it it's now with uh, you know pricing and service levels and all the offerings that are there, it just makes it so much more achievable um, for homeowners to get to this power independent state. And you know, I think California, uh, for better or for worse, is in a leading position to do that, um, partially because of our spirit. To, uh, to drive to clean energy and renewable energy, but also driven by um, the inability of our existing uh, grid supplier to uh, continue to provide safe, efficient, economical service to its customer base. So let's, uh, let's hear a little bit about your arrival there. I mean, is that, was there a, was the finance function up and running? Uh, was there uh, again, it began in, in uh, 2011, so I have to imagine there was a, uh, a fully functioning finance department. But what did you have to do to, to, to make it move in the direction you want it? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's actually a really good question. And um, one of the things that I got very used to in arriving at a lot of companies that are in transitory states is that bringing in high quality finance professionals tends to be one of the last things they do. Um, so I used to showing up a little bit late to the party, as it were, and uh, where there was a, definitely a, a functioning finance group here at West Haven, uh, the company itself had outgrown the existing skill sets. 
um, and literally nothing that I wasn't used to. And uh, most all the other companies I've been to, a lot of them have never done an annual budget. Uh, they've never really prepared financial statements for an external audience to look at. Um, they've never really done um, you know monthly operational review that included financials. So um, you know it's that that kind of coming in late to the to the scene is uh, is something that I was very much used to. Um, so it it really meant that my my focus coming in here was twofold. One is to um, really examine the most recent past and uh, uh, do somewhat of an overhaul on uh, some of the past work that had been done. Uh, really streamline the accounting systems, uh, everything from the chart of accounts to how financials were generated um, and all the way up through, uh, you know, even how the people that worked um, as the accountants, uh, that team, how they did their daily routines and what they did on a daily basis. So um, it was very similar to an entrance in, you know, a company where I find out they're going public in five months. There was a lot of work to do in a very short time, um, both backward and forward looking. So uh, now, what types of things are you trying to better expose uh, through the numbers for management? What is it that you're trying to zero in on? One was uh, really linking for the management team how top line growth did not necessarily always mean positive cash flow. So putting uh, um, the financial statements uh, together in a better format was was job number one, but extending that to a real tactical cash flow forecast, um, forward and backward looking, uh, that was really one of the, the big things to get the management team to understand that not all good rep, not all revenue is good revenue. Um, so having that cash flow management tool and understanding how our results and our, um, how we executed our business really did impact that cash flow. And the other was really identifying um, certain types of business um, that may have added a great deal to the top line, but as you sectioned them out into um, more of a functional PL, could see where um, not only were they not very profitable, they were burning um, operating expense that should have been used on a much more profitable line of business. So we actually, when I first joined the company, kind of intentionally shrank the top line to focus on the things that were more profitable to the bottom line and had an immediate impact on the operation of the company, but also kind of set the table for um, a tw an excellent 2019. And, and before, before the uh, COVID virus hit, what was uh, starting out to be an excellent 2020. What other uh, types of measures? Don't they don't have to be uh, financial metrics? Uh, they could be non-financial metrics. But what other types of metrics are you looking at to make sure the company's performing the way you want it to? Yeah, we. Um, one of the things I think that separates West Haven, you know, I mentioned this being a trade uh, company, and there are a lot of small um, mom and pop, if you were, uh, trade companies that are similar. Um, but I, th I think it's our talent level and our tool sets that really set us apart. And one of those is an in-house CR CRM system, for lack of a better word, that, that we have um, we have homegrown. 
And so much of our front end metrics around lead generation, appointment setting, um, lead, lead clo opportunity closure, and turning that into a backlog and a revenue stream, uh, we have a, a tremendous amount of, of detail and reporting that goes on during that. Um, and, and it's primarily rooted in, for a solar company, customer acquisition is really one of the most important parts of the whole thing. Um, you know, delivering excellent service and top-notch installation and the rest of the experience is important, but the whole act of, of getting a customer acquired, educated on what you can provide to them and the value that they with West Haven, uh, that's a very, very important part of that. And that's where most of our tool sets and tracking are rooted, is, is really looking at that sales funnel um, in a very detailed way to make sure we're we're doing all the right things to get the right customers on board with us. Um, we're constantly developing that system and we're just really starting to scratch the surface of, um, you know, tracking that promoter score um, and getting uh, getting a complete set of non-financial um, metrics in place in addition to the financial ones. Now, can you uh, look back for us over the course of your career? And we're going to, this is where we ask for a finance strategic moment, um, which is, yes, an aha moment, sort of a strategic moment where your lines of sight into the numbers allowed you to see a risk or an opportunity that you responded to. Does anything come to mind? In the uh, always be improving mode, you run into the smaller ones uh, like every week or so. But I think one of the biggest ones um, that I, I think tells a very good story about how a finance professional can come in and really change um, how a company does business. Um, a couple of jobs ago, I worked with a firm um, that was a, a BPO, business process outsource. And what they did was provide um, outsourced administrative services to uh, real estate agencies. Uh, it's a fairly small staff here in Sacramento and several thousand um, folks in the Philippines that they had trained uh, to be the, uh, the, the uh, administrative professionals for all these real estate offices. Um, and I, I joined that company because they were experiencing a tremendous growth curve and, and that growth had, had outgrown the capabilities of the existing staff. So uh, about a month or so in when I was learning the business flow, I started to see how they brought their product to market and they were operating very much like a temporary labor agency would, where each uh, each worker turned in a time card at the end of two weeks, process the time card, we'd pay the employee, we'd send an invoice to the real estate office, um, a few more days would go by and the real estate office would pay the bill. So it was a really uh, a full month of cycle and the cash came at the end. So it actually became very, very hard for them to finance the growth they were having because here was all the cash coming in at the end. Um, what I worked with them on is basically redeveloping their product offering so that it was a subscription service rather than the reimbursement of an hourly employee. And we changed the business model uh, and there was a transition time that was, it was about six to nine months. Uh, where we became a subscription-based service that was billed ahead of time, um, and the payments then processed down from the initial payment to the to the uh, the employee eventually. 
Um, but it was more about signing up for the company's outsourced service rather than hiring a temporary employee and we were the handler. Um, so it not only uh, changed the discussion heavily between the, the customer and, and us, uh, you know, we started having more discussions about value to the agency and what we could do for uh, improving their real estate sales and less about the administrative you know, uh, hourly work of a temp employee. So the, the discussions were more value added, cash was up front. And uh, I, as a result, uh, the customer retention actually went up significantly because of that. So. When we return, CFO Mark Sargent enters the mentoring round. The business landscape is changing quickly. As the pressure to manage expenses efficiently and strategically increases, you need solutions that not only help drive down costs and improve efficiencies, but meet the changing needs of your business. At U.S. Bank, we can help. We'll work with you to uncover your specific payment challenges and bring you proactive and innovative solutions and strategies that help you meet the financial goals of your organization. Our commitment to doing the right thing for our customers has earned us the designation of one of the world's most ethical companies from the Ethisphere Institute for six years in a row. To learn more, visit us at usbpayment.com. Hello, we're back and we've entered the mentoring round with CFO Mark Sargent. Mark, if you were to look back that first time you stepped into the CFO office, that first uh, week, that first quarter, what piece of advice would you give yourself? Yeah, I think if I went back, one of the things I wish I had understood clearer is, uh, and this is the difference between working your way up the org chart in accounting departments and being the chief financial officer, the one that's responsible for um, ensuring adequate resources in the company, uh, that a strong P&L does not necessarily equate to strong cash flow. And um, I, I didn't have a full grasp of that. And it's something that I learned the hard way uh, my first few years at, at CEL. Um, and it became very important um, not only to look at financials from an operating standpoint, but also to build tactical cash flow management models um, that would help me get through, uh, get the company through a multitude of cash needs uh, that that particular company had. Uh, they had a very long cash cycle. Uh, they were actually employee owned through an ESOP plan. Uh, so they had repurchase obligations as part of that uh, retirement plan. And all of that had never really been baked into like a tactical cash flow management tool. And uh, that I had to learn that the hard way uh, over a couple of years. And that's one thing I really wish I would have known better when I started that. Mark, do you, over the years, uh, are you still playing music? I want to ask if you have a, like a personal habit or what have you, but I thought it was interesting how you opened up by sharing your, your musical interest. Uh, what would you share with us? Yeah, absolutely. I, it's, um, I took a little bit of a break kind of in the late 90s. And then uh, once I got settled in the Bay Area, I've been playing in bands again pretty much for the last 15, 16 years or so. Um, I had a, a good friend of mine uh, about 10 years ago. He and I got together and formed a band called Den of Antiquity. And we actually wrote a bunch of original songs and cut a CD and played in some clubs around the Bay Area for a few years. 
uh, moved up to Sacramento. It's interesting. It's it's very much a haven for uh, tribute and cover bands here in Sacramento. So I actually play bass in a in a rock band and uh, play acoustic guitar and sing in a country band. And uh, so I actually play in two bands right now. I play in wineries. Uh, well, when things were open, we played in a lot of wineries, bars, uh, um, street fairs, uh, riverside clubs. There's a there's a nice little uh, place to play down here in Sacramento, right down the river called Swabies. And, you know, so, yeah, I still uh, when it, when it's possible to do so, I can. No, just a just a wonderful experience to have others enjoy, uh, enjoy your music. That's uh, got to be very special. Would you have a book recommendation for us? The most recent one I've read from a professional standpoint that I'm really enjoying is uh, is John Doerr's um, Measure What Matters. And uh, we brought it into the uh, culture here at West Haven. It's a, it's a really learning how to make uh, OKRs, objectives and key results, part of, of your everyday culture and uh, getting people on that. And, and there's so many exciting opportunities that West Haven has um, as one of the real um, backbones of, of this company. And it, it also it served to um, help me understand, uh, you know, again, really, really uh, what, what, what is important as a finance person to, to aid in the business and, and, and help them maximize their results. So, and then personally, um, you know, the one I recently read uh, that I really enjoy that I'll, I'll carefully say the name of the book as it's written on the cover to preserve the PG-13 rating uh, is uh, Mark Manson's uh, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a, an F asterisk CK. Uh, it's very, uh, very engaging reading from a personal level, uh, really uh, um, trimming off the excess uh, worries and then and, and uh, really focusing on what matters in your life and in your work so okay we i don't believe we had that second one before so thank you for that uh, <laughs> we'll have to do a google search on that one uh, thank you uh for answering those we're up to our our final question where we ask you to look forward uh mark and share with us your priorities uh, as a CFO of West Haven Power? What what come to mind? Well, I think, um, you know, over the next 12 months, the immediate um, is is still to focus on uh, getting out of the current um, crisis that we're in with COVID and with the pandemic. Um, West Haven actually did a fantastic job um, weathering the storm. Uh, we made some immediate changes to how we go about business and uh, so far, all of those changes have actually turned out to be even more advantageous than we thought. Um, but we're not out of the woods completely yet, and uh, we're going to continue to be very diligent in everything we need to do um, to finish that off. Um, but I think then, you know, as that fades, um, we're going to really be looking at navigating this whole changing atmosphere of the solar business and, and becoming a power company, um, offering more and more products, more and more service, um, really becoming um, a very, very critical and important part of the power landscape in the Sacramento Valley, um, and and really expanding our geography. Uh, it's something we were uh, deep in the middle of working on right before all of this hit, and and refiring that back up um, to have some uh, some stronger regional growth and extend our reach throughout the rest of California. Is something. Uh, I think we're really looking forward to getting back to. Mark Sargent, thank you for joining us on CFO Thought Leader. 
Yeah, you bet. Thanks, thanks, Jack. It's great to be here. I appreciate the time. Thank you. Hello, listeners. Do us a favor. Be certain to subscribe to CFO Thought Leader on Apple Podcasts, or if you're an Android user, check us out on Spotify or Google Play. If you like the show, please recommend it to a friend. Oh, and by the way, the CFO Yearbook 2021 Print Edition debuts on Amazon this quarter, featuring 100 profiles of finance leaders from our 2020 season. Would you like to learn more about our CFO guests? Order the CFO Yearbook 2021. Thank you for supporting our efforts to bring you career journeys of CFOs driving change. We'll be back with another episode very soon. Thank you for listening.